0: Solomon says life without God is vanity. And life with God? Pastor Xavier Reese with the simple truth. John
1: Wesley preached 40,000 sermons, produced 400 books, knew 10 languages. At 86, he was ashamed he could not preach more than twice a day. He complained in his diary that there was an increasing tendency to lie in bed until 5.30 in the morning. Now, we can all be stretched a little more.
0: Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. It was Adolf Hitler who said, whoever has the youth has the future. And it is a fact historically that youth have been at the core of every major movement. King Solomon must have had this in mind when he specifically set out to advise young people who most are taken in by the claims of the world and end up spending an entire life investing in a faulty endeavor. Let's listen in as Pastor Xavier draws on Solomon's wisdom and simple truths on how to live life. Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 7 on
1: down to chapter 12, verse 8. Solomon is approaching the end of his experiment and search through man's wisdom regarding those things that are set to bring fulfillment and satisfaction to man under the sun. The one who is chasing fulfillment, success, satisfaction through the many things the world offers. He's gone right down the line one after another and he says, emptiness, no good. This isn't it. Therefore, Solomon turns to direct himself to young people. He keeps saying, remember, remember, a key word. Remember your creator in the days of your youth. Remember the record of Genesis that God created you in his own image after his own likeness and not after some kind of crazy, foolish belief system that separates you from your creator. You did not evolve from some polywog. Your ancestors didn't hang by some trees. God created you. And in that recognition, there's a sense of accountability, responsibility, that the one who made me is much wiser than I, much more powerful than I, and that one day I will have to give an account to him. The understanding being that God created them for fellowship. Now, don't think that God said, well, I'm lonely. Let's make man because I'm bummed out. No. God is self-existing. He needs nothing outside of himself. When he created man, he did it with one purpose in mind. Are you ready for it? That he might just shower him with his love and blessings. For no other reason. And God has made you and myself for fellowship. He has created us for society. Now, there's some of us that are loners. There's a few people in the world that are They can be by themselves and that's it, but they're the exception. For the most part, all of us need people around at one time or another. Some of us like people more around than others, and we're all different. But for the most part, we're made for community, all of us. Notice also that young people will one day be old. There will be difficult and evil days. Referring to the physical and mental state, youth is only part of one's total existence in life. Do you realize that? Overnight it seems that you're old. Just yesterday, I remember I was 18. Goes by fast. Over and over again, it says you will come, you'll say, I have no pleasure in them. What's in them? The days of old age. This means that one is very aware that one cannot do what one used to do. The mind is willing, but the body is not able. <laughs> oh, I could do that, you know. oh, I see these guys, they get out of their thing, they can still play baseball and basketball, and they end up in the emergency ward and everything else, and they say, oh, you know, those young guys, they just have no respect, you know, they just... It's hard for men to say, you know what, man, I'm not what I used to be. Young people will arrive at their twilight years knowing they will die, verse 2 says. Now, young people don't believe that when they're young, but they will when they get there. Though in old age, they still can enjoy the sun, the light, the moon, and the stars. So they're not dead yet. Though they may at times recover from illnesses symbolic of the clouds, they know that the spring, summer, and autumn of their life is gone, and winter is upon them. Notice secondly in verses 3 through 5, the realities of old age are humbling. And here he gives us a beautiful picturesque, Description uh, of metaphors and symbols of 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 a person in these various aspects of the body, Um, and it just kind of just opens it up in living color. He says, "The keepers of the house tremble. These are the legs, as well as the arms and hands, that do not seem to have the firm stability and steadiness as in their youth." Have you ever seen when someone is a picture of someone is put in the prime of their life, mid-twenties or something, then they put their picture in their sixties, and you go, man, he used to be a big dude. Boy, I wouldn't want to hang with him, you know, and it's just, and that's the reality. It happens. The knee joints and hip joints cannot hold up the long and heavy work and exercise that they once did. The strong men bow down. These are the shoulders that once labored under long, grueling hours of work, only becoming stronger. But now they cannot even hold up the body in a straight posture. <laughs> Bent over. My grandma in Mexico, I used to go visit her. She, is, she died in 96, and I'd go visit her. And she and she like this, and she goes, the earth is calling me already, the earth is calling me. You know, and she's calling me, pulling me down. Today in Spanish, la tierra me está llamando. You know, pulling me. (laughs) The wear and tear and injuries claim their due. It's interesting, all the injuries that I incurred through the eight years I competed in athletics and that, um, boy, I tell you, they kind of get you afterwards. they start creeping upon you. You say, man, I never hurt me before. Well, you're never that old before. The grinders cease because they are few. <laughs> These are the teeth that once were the pride of one's smile at youth, but now seem to be fewer in number. The days of steak and corn nuts are history. <laughs> you don't dare bite into a hard apple. You might leave something in it. But that's reality. Are you having fun getting old? You're growing old gracefully. Guys, you start losing your hair. Don't comb that sucker from one side to the other, <laughs> OK? Just cut it off or go get implants, OK? Or transplant things. But just don't flop that thing. Man, the west wind comes over and throws it over, you kill somebody, man. <laughs> Grow old gracefully. The ones that look through the windows grow dim. These are the eyes that once had perfect vision and had a glean in them. Now they need bifocals, even trifocals. You know, we're like like Mr. Magoo. You know, we're just walking around. The ability to see clear and far is difficult even when things are visible and they're missed before our eyes. Often I say, "Judy, where's my keys? She goes, they're, they're in the drawer. No, they're not. She comes right down next to me, grabs them, and gives them to me. I used to get so mad. Now I just say thank you and walk out. <laughs> it's all right. It's part of life. The doors are shut in the streets. These are the lips that once opened for everything and anything near them and devoured it. <laughs> But now, they cease to open as often as one's appetite begins to diminish. The portions are smaller and less in variety due to the inability to digest certain foods, due to heartburn or whatever else. The sound of grinding is low. This is the quite, quite an unnoticed sound of a person masticating, chewing, That was once a very confident and aggressive and notable noise. (laughs) The foods eaten are now more in line of prepared foods and softer in nature. The person rises up at the sound of the bird. This is the problem of becoming a light sleeper and the slightest noise awakens you. And then something wakes us up and we can't go back to sleep, can we? The days of sleeping through anything has now become the trial to sleep through the night. (laughs) You know, your teenage kids, you know, all kinds of noise, they're they're out. A guy can come in and rob the whole house, you know, he'd be left there. (laughs) Wouldn't wake him up. The daughters of music are brought low. Notice the word all. The once fine-tuned ear for music is now dulled and unable to discern and appreciate the melody and rhythm of a song. It's just not there. The ability to hear is not the same as in youth. They are afraid of heights and terrors of the way, or in the way, when the almond tree blossoms. The once courageous youth who would not think twice of climbing a 40-foot tree now fears walking down the stairs of their own home. Shortness of breath and dizziness comes upon them. The once fearless youth who went anywhere now does not feel safe but at home. They did not think anything of walking home alone midnight in their youth, but now are afraid to walk down the street in broad daylight. The period of life is symbolized by the almond tree, which is white, the time of gray hair. Oh, King James, the hoary (laughs) head. Now, lest you think I'm looking down on old age, I cannot imagine a more precious and a more valuable scenery than when I go out sometimes with my wife and once in a great while I see an old man walk out, drive out of his car, get out of his car as he goes over the other side and gets his bride. And they both take baby steps all the way in, and he lovingly sits with her and caresses her. Um, That's that's something worth looking at. (laughs) The grasshopper is a burden. The once unshakable youth who gave no evidence of fear in the presence of danger now is petrified over a grasshopper or a locust. The sense of helplessness comes upon them. The desire fails. The once awakened and strong sexual drive of youth and for one's mate is not the same, nor is it the priority of life, and rightly so. The desire for life's ambition and goals are not one's main concern any longer. Now, notice the reason for all this is that the man goes to his eternal home and the mourners go about the streets. Death is the next event of life which will affirm for all eternity his or her eternal state with God or separated from God. Pay attention to that. Death will affirm for all eternity what you have lived for. Death transforms nothing Death only affirms what you have lived for. Death is very close at the mourners. They're walking in the street. The problem with people is they think that they they can live like the devil and, and and die like a saint. And they think that they can make their decision when they will turn to God. Most people think that like in plane crashes, people will be calling out upon God. As they examine those black boxes, it's amazing the stuff they hear. People are cursing God and, and just cussing and, 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 and everything else. But they're not calling upon God. You see, you will die just how you've lived. And if you're not living for God, you will not die with God. You'll die the same way you lived. And so, there's a caution there. There's danger. We need to pay heed. But you're never too old for anything. Remember that. Emerson produced English traits when he was 53 and conduct of life at 59. Victor Hugo wrote Les Miserables at 62. Kent wrote his Anthropology, Metaphysics of Ethics, and Strife of Faculties at age 74. Oliver Wendell Holmes at 79 wrote Over the Teacups. Booth Tackington wrote 16 novels after age 60, some of them when he was totally blind. Scott, the commentator, began study at 63. Jules Verne was writing his stories at 63. So... Age should not limit us, but age should make us wiser and to accept life. Young people are to remember God throughout life before old age. The third counsel that Solomon gives is found in verses 6 through 8. Young people are to realize all will die in this life. Notice first in verse 6, the invitation is till death. Solomon has already declared that we are to remember our Creator in the days of our youth, in verse 1 and 2. Solomon also declared that we are to remember our Creator in our old age, verse 3 through 5. Solomon now declares that we are to remember our Creator in the days of our, of our life on earth, and again he describes the event of death in symbolic language. Listen to him. Before the silver cord is loosened. This is considered to be the spine. Some say it's the spirit of the soul, but the majority of them go with the spinal cord. Before the gold bowl is broken, this is considered to be the head and the brain. He says, before the pitcher shatters, and this is considered to be the heart and the circulatory system. Before the wheel is broken at the well, it's considered to be the lungs and the respiratory system. And once all these things take place, you're dead. You've passed on to eternity. Now, God is there to the very end. The invitation here is till death. The only thing is, don't think that you will be able to call on the name of the Lord. If God is calling you now, now is the day of salvation. No one knows about tomorrow. I'm sure that many people have crossed that line where they can't call. And they get there and they die all on their own without God. Notice, secondly, we have the explanation in verse 7. The physical body was taken from the earth, and it will return to the dust as it was taken from the dust. Genesis 3.19, from dust you came, from dust you'll return. The body is not the real me or you, but a mere instrument through which our soul and spirit expresses and manifests itself in this world. This is not me. This is not you. This is just a body. The people who do not know God make too much of the body during life as well as after life. Now, I think you should take care of your body, you know, as you move on through life, eat a little healthier, keep exercising a little bit, but you don't live for it as a Christian. But you should honor God with it as a temple of God. People in the world, they live for it. After they die, they they clutch at it. As Christians, we don't do that. I'm not looking for this body again. Trust me. (laughs) I'm going to trade this thing on a new model. The spirit will return to God who gave it. The spirit is the real me. The spirit of man was breathed in the nostrils of Adam, the breath of life. The spirit belongs to God, for he created it as well as the body. The spirit of the non-believer is ultimately joined to his maker and is separated from his maker for all eternity based on the choices he or she has made of their own free will, either to reject Jesus Christ or to accept him. Nobody's decision, but the person's. The spirit of the believer is immediately present with the Lord. 2 Corinthians 5, 1 through 8. The minute I die, die, I am instantly present with the Lord. Instantly. Praise God. Notice thirdly, the contemplation of life from death. Verse 8. The person who lives for any or all of these things that promise fulfillment will find out that they are what? Vanity of vanities. They are empty, they are senseless, they are insignificant, they are frustrating, they are brief in their enjoyment. When you're there at death, you will look back and you'll say, I don't know why I even did that. Many things will become real clear then. The person declaring this is, who the preacher. And the word is the title of the book in the Hebrew canon, the preacher, the word uh, has its root in the word assembly or, or gathering, indicating the gathering of assembly in order to what? Address it. And so here you have Solomon addressing who? All the future generations in one of the books of the Bible to give wisdom and direction and discretion to the youth, to the young person, to live dependent on God. The word is described as the office which Solomon is actually operating here, that of the teacher. And you find that in chapter 12, verse 9. And moreover, because the preacher was wise, he still taught the people knowledge. The declaration of vanity is all-inclusive. Mark it well. When a person lives apart from God, all is vanity. The totality of life's experience, accomplishments, and pleasures apart from God will not satisfy our life. No one's life. They usually are too much of an ideal and close to perfection to be true. The person you're looking to marry, the, uh, the, the career or whatever it is, and once you get there, you say, oh, wow. <laughs> we build things too much of an ideal. We can never meet them. The things that we put most time and effort during life to obtain become meaningless, and they don't satisfy. And we move on to something else. The things in and of themselves are not wrong. But they become wrong because they are done and sought apart from the submission to Jesus and apart from the direction and will of Jesus. That's what makes them wrong. The totality of life, be it 50, 70, give you 150. It's brief on the last day of your life. When Pharaoh asked Jacob, how old are you? He says, 140 some, few and evil are the days of my sojourning. That's a good statement. Few and evil. The word vanity means vapor, breath. It appears 71 times in the Old Testament, in the noun. Do you realize that the word is used for the name of, of Adam's son, Abel? Breath. Prophetic of his very brief life. 38 of those 72 times, the word vanity is found in Ecclesiastes. I would say it's a key word. Not only for the book, but for the Bible. The word is used with Solomon. To mean that which is unsatisfying, a waste of time, frustrating, absurd, useless, of no profit. The day of death places everything in proper perspective as to importance and priority. The day of death reveals one's life, whether you are a wise person or you have been a fool. One of the two. One person said this, death is not a period, but a comma in the story of life. And those who love God never meet for the last time. That's good. Young people are to realize all will die in life, revealing the vanity of many things in life. And so Solomon has given to us a threefold counsel to the young person about living life. Young people are to rejoice in life and view of future judgment. Young people are to remember God throughout life before old age, and young people are to realize all will die in life, revealing the vanity of many things in life. Let me close with John Wesley. Listen, John Wesley traveled 250 miles a day for 40 years, and that was on horseback. Uh, he preached 40,000 sermons, produced 400 books, knew 10 languages. At 83, he was annoyed that he could not write more than 15 hours a day without hurting his eyes. At 86, he was ashamed he could not preach more than twice a day. He complained in his diary that there was An increasing tendency to lie in bed until 5.30 in the morning. Now, we can all be stretched a little more. You're not that old.
0: Pastor Xavier Reese closes out our time today with a fitting example of how to use our life serving the eternal King, Jesus. Hear this program again by clicking the radio listings link you'll find at calvarychapelpasadena.com. Today's study is titled How to Live Life and is also available on CD for just $4. And by the way, everything we shared last time will be included as well, so it makes a convenient way to study the message more in-depth and at your own pace. So the title to ask for once more is How to Live Life or simply mention today's date. Get your copy by writing Simple Truths. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us monitor the effectiveness of our broadcast ministry. For the Word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Join Pastor Xavier Reese for Solomon's description of the wise preacher of that Word. Next time on Simple Truths.